The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. Time now for the College Football Inquirer with Dan Wetzel. If any Power 5 coach lights himself on fire by any means, we will do an emergency pod. You have my <laughs> promise right now. Pete Thimmel. Some people are going to get left holding the bag here in this carousel. With SI's Pat Forty. Like, get out of our lives. Get this person out of the press conference. Here's Pat, Pete, and Dan. I welcome to the pod and feel like we should start with a little uh little inspirational words from the great philosopher James Joseph Harbaugh said this on the Inside Michigan radio show uh about the Penn State game there was a winner there was a non-winner but the <laughs> but the real winner was football the game of football uh, that's how i feel about this podcast <laughs> Who's wait? Who's the non-winner in the podcast? I think we're all winners here, aren't we? Harbaugh's uh, uh, getting, getting set on fire is the non-winner. I think he was talking about there by the space heater. <laughs> I uh, I would say this. Uh, I felt there were no winners on our team. We were all non-winners. So I like your 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 just positivity, Pat. I'm gonna try it on for a change. Try a little positivity. See how long it lasts. Harbaugh. I mean, he just. He has a way with words. I don't know what those way, what that way is. But uh, he did burn his pants. You see that? He got so close to the space heater, yep. he burnt his pants. Yeah. See if he was wearing the old Walmart khakis instead of the blue ones. There, I think. I think they might have withstood the the heat. Or he Speaking just might have of- gone up in flames on the sideline. <laughs> That's true. The Walmart khakis might be actually be the worst thing for that. Stop, drop, and roll. That yeah. would have been quite a sight to see. Yes. Jim Harbaugh had lit himself on fire on the sideline of Penn. Yes, that. <laughs> then the real winner would have been football. I mean, I, we, would, we don't want any big burns. We, they would have the stuffed inter- them out. No, but the sure. internet would have been the big winner. Yeah, yeah the big yes. winner would have been We awesome. would have had our first midday Saturday emergency podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this. If any power five, I'm not doing group of five because God knows what kind of what they're burning in like sideline barrels at the Mac to stay warm during midweek action. But if any power five coach lights himself on fire by any means, we will do an emergency pod. You have my promise right now. Yes, that's a sacred pact with the listenership. If we have that, if we have self-immolation, there will be an emergency pod. Okay, I, so I got a I got a quick apparel question though, since we're talking about burning pants and everything. An alert listener who's actually also a viewer saw the video on y'all's cut rate website of the three of us uh, talking about something, and uh, he uh, he pointed out Pete and I were both wearing hats. He said I've never seen Wetzel in a hat, and I had to think about it. Have we ever seen Dan Wetzel in a hat? I wear my Bruins hat sometimes. Yeah. Okay. 
Oh, you know what? You're right. And then actually that WME hat that I thought was like Wetzel Media Enterprises or something. But uh, yeah. All right. William, I, I Mor- William Morris Endeavor. If you had a real yeah. agent, you would know <laughs> if you worked for a real agency. Power <laughs> agents. Listen, when you got hair, this is good, Pat. So, uh, understood. You understood. would know. if any. We have good hair on this broadcast. Got to admit that. It's, pod, it's <laughs> we, the best hair of any college we, football podcast you know, going. We, we don't bring much else to the table from a looks department, but I think we, we, we're okay in the hair department. Let's talk about who uh, has got plenty of time for haircuts. That's all the guys fired uh, already. Uh, the, the midseason firing brigade continues. Let's start in Virginia Tech. Justin Fuente is out with two games left in his sixth season. He went 43 and 31, 28 and 20. He's getting uh, 8.75 million in a buyout. He gave he this is the guy that resurrected Memphis and it was a huge coup when Virginia Tech got Justin Fuente. Like everyone was like, "All right, that is a nice hire because he had a he had his choice of jobs, but uh this did not work out. Uh just flat out did not work out. A uh, team was was pretty listless of late. 6 years, you got plenty of time. Uh, I was actually a little baffled on this and so I looked I looked this up and now I don't have the note in front of me, but actually so I'm going to be pretty close. To me, you only win at Virginia Tech if you're absolutely killing it in recruiting down in the Tidewater area, Norfolk, yeah, even into Richmond, uh, or and the and the DMV in in Washington D.C. It's a weird school. It, it's a state school, but it's in the farthest touch. It's so far out, four hours from everywhere. But you've got to land those. There's a lot of talent in those two places. 2017 class in state, uh, uh, in state and in the DMV. He signed three four-stars out of, there were 15 in-state, he signed three. The next year, in-state, two of nine, then two of nine, and then zero four-stars last year, and four or two years ago, and zero this year. Last two years, no four-star in-state recruits went with Virginia Tech. There were 16 of them. And during those years, one year he didn't sign a single player from the DMV. Uh, the recruiting was a total disaster. It was like, I'm not going, he wasn't successful. He would have taken those players, but they just lost their recruiting base. And then when you're, I remember Steve Spurs saying this, when you're not getting local kids, not only are those the easiest kids to get, but then you try to go to like Jacksonville or, or, or Atlanta and you're telling people, hey, you should come play for us. And they look and go, why are the kids a couple hours away not playing for you? So. Uh, it looked like it just the bottom dropped out in recruiting. And if you're not nailing those two areas, that's where Michael Vick and 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 Tyrod Taylor and all the way back to Bruce Smith and Allen Iverson's from and Alonzo Moore, so many great players. You're not getting those guys. You, you, you can't win at Virginia Tech. And so that's my guess on what we're wrong. And that's my guess on what they got to get right on this next hire. Pat, your thoughts? Yep, no doubt about it. I mean, that, that was Frank Beamer's bread and butter area to recruit when they had it going well there. If you're missing there now, I mean, shoot, people, a lot of people are in there. Clemson's gotten in there. Notre Dame's gotten in there. I'm sure Penn State and, and others as well. So if, if you if you can't get your share from the Tidewater up through the DMV at Virginia Tech, you're going to struggle. That's the way it is. And, you know, it's funny. The first two years, he looked like he was the right hire. Everybody thought he was the right hire. And then the first two years, they were like 10-4, and 9-4. and four. And then everything just kind of bottomed out, whether that's recruiting or what. But like there's 24 and 23 the last four years. And Virginia Tech should probably be better than that, especially playing in the Coastal Division where the competition just isn't that tough. So it, it surprised me that, that it went south and stayed south uh, for Justin Fuente. 
And, uh, you know, that's now, yeah, it's time to move on and see if you're, you're probably never going to have another Frank Beamer. Somebody that wants going to be there for, for 25 years and do phenomenal work. But uh, where they go will be very interesting because, as we have talked about before, the the competition is ramping up. There's more and more jobs coming open and there's some good jobs and there could be some more good jobs coming open. So where do they fit into the mix on this? Uh, Going to be really interesting to see what Whit Bob Babcock's got for a plan for where to go. To Dan's point on recruiting, I remember writing a story at uh, Sports Illustrated a few years back when Frank Beamer retired. And I got a quote from uh, Dave Clawson, who had been the coach at Richmond from 04 to 07 and really knew the Virginia recruiting dynamics. And his quote was, quote, they had such a foothold and pipeline to Virginia Beach. Literally, all those kids would drive by UVA to go to Virginia Tech. A lot of that was because those coaches loved, respected, and trusted Coach Beamer. And that always stood in the back of my mind because, like, you know, you're going to go to the nearest by school. So to get droves of recruits to drive by a school to come to your school speaks to the power of relationships, the power of staying power, right? Somebody's there. Virginia Tech had a brand under Frank Beamer. Beamer ball, lunch pail, special teams, big corners, you know, beating you up. Uh, I mean, it was, uh, when you picture Frank Beamer's Virginia Tech teams, you get a very distinct image in your mind of a time and a place in a style in in what they what they. I look think like. they always played and on Thursday night. Too. It was like Thursday night Miami four times a year. They did. They did play a lot on Thursday night, which is which is wonderful. The junkies, the the junkies delight. As Virginia Tech seeks, you know, going forward here, I I think it will be really. uh, I think it'll be really interesting how they can revive a national brand, which Frank Beamer built them in. But they also have to capture local hearts too. So, I think Clawson, who I just happened to quote there, will be uh, will be high on what Babcock's list. I think. Babcock has seen him way overachieve at Wake Forest. Clearly, this is kind of Wake's season, Wake's moment. They have their own style offense. I think like he will be uh, he will be squarely in the mix there. I think your group of five guys will be popping up there. Your Jamie Chadwell at Coastal, who also has a very distinct offensive style and kind of is like a folksy, charming guy. You tend to hire opposites. Justin Fuente, very good coach, straightforward, hard-nosed. I would say Justin Fuente is a square. You think that's fair, Pat? Like not yep. exactly, not exactly Captain Charisma. He's not the he's not the first guy you're going to go chat up at the cocktail party. And that, there's nothing wrong with that. Not all coaches have to be yeah. loquacious. But he doesn't want to chat with you at the cocktail party. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Correct. So and look, I'll be very upfront here. I you know our first guess of this hire, I thought it was a home run. I thought it was a great fit. I thought everything about it really worked. It didn't work. Sometimes hires don't work. In I think that speaks to uh, a larger point here that we can dive into as we go to job 12 in this carousel, which Virginia Tech is. The impending firing of Manny Diaz. Um, I think we can all agree we saw the first step of that when Miami fired their AD pretty suddenly on Monday will be job 13, is that a lot of some people are going to get left holding the bag here in this carousel. Like there are going, there are going to be far more open jobs than there are quality replacements. And we're going to see some AD introduce his seventh choice that his fan base hates through gritted teeth. (laughs) And (laughs) the high stakes, you know, this podcast, we tend to focus on the negative. God bless us. And that's why you listen to us. And uh, I I wrote a column that really channeled the spirit of that. Like this this week, basically 
who will get left holding that bag, to me, is the most fascinating theater of all this. Because you're going to see some ADs scared of that, so they're maybe not going to wait out a home run hire, and they're going to take a hire that's just a double because they don't want to get left stark naked in the cold. But there is a high-stakes game going on right now in the coaching carousel. It's unlike anything I've ever seen. Florida, which could well be job 14, right, is uh, going to be the third top 10 job that's open. But there's also going to be a pretty good thicket of middle-class jobs open, too. Upper-middle-class jobs open, too. Virginia Tech's a good job. Miami's a good job. Washington's a good job. Arizona State, which we expect to open, is a good job. Nobody's sneezing at Duke. It's not an elite job. It's probably a, a bottom 10 job, but that's still... There'll be a lot of people who want the Duke job. The timing of how these all unfold, you, you're almost better off if you're if David Cuff was going to retire, just ha have him wait until February. And then you could just have a clean a clean whack at the market. Um, and you're not scrambling to get pretty much anybody you're gonna that's gonna be available now would be available then. It just would be without the without the competition. So it, the dynamics of the carousel, and I know you guys make fun of me because I get geeked up about this stuff uh, this time of year, are as compelling as I've ever seen in all the years I've been tracking. I don't think there's any question there's going to be, I mean, it's going to be a dogfight. There aren't a million great candidates out there. Someone's going to grab a hot coach that doesn't work out. Someone's going to have to, someone's going to stumble into gold. Someone's going to end up, you know, plucking some coordinator off an NFL staff and it's either going to work or not, or there's going to be the, uh, the mid-major that has one year. I don't know. This is going to be interesting. Miami, uh, presuming the Manny Diaz is out, and it's it certainly when the AD gets fired and you're 19 and 15 in year three, doesn't bode well. Let's just say that. Don't buy yeah. uh, don't buy green bananas. <laughs> especially at a place where the boosters are very loud. You know, they really, they it takes them like one bad quarter for them to give up on whoever the coach is at any point in time. So, uh, you, whoever the idea is, like Blake James had to hear a lot of that and listen to it incessantly, really, especially this year. That's just kind of the nature of that beast. Uh, and there's some people think it's a terrible job because they, they're, they haven't been on the cutting edge facility wise and uh, maybe staffing and, and, and all that sort of thing. I'd still, I, it's another place I would like to take my chances with all the talent around there. Talent. Go ahead. And, yeah. Talent. Tell me it's a bad job. Talent. So I, I, I texted my best Miami source, or certainly the most interesting Miami source, in, in uh, Nevin Shapiro. Oh, God. oh yeah. He, uh, he, he's, uh, Did you have to do it through CoreLinks? No, no, he's out. He's out. <laughs> okay. He had the, the COVID. He got, uh, he got uh, released on uh, house arrest uh, after during COVID. And uh, I think he's I think he no longer has to wear a monitoring device. I'm not I don't I don't I don't want to get into Nevin's legal issues. <laughs> <laughs> Things are looking up for Nevin. He's, <laughs> he's definitely strong and he up. may have the bracelet, the ankle bracelet. Nevin, on. Nevin's coming got, out with NIL. Oh, my goodness. Uh, this guy's on top the of the old world. Days, Nevin. Yeah. The, the, if, if Nevin ever gets back in business fully. <laughs> OK, yeah. the Canes was, are going to win. He was yeah. before his time. Yep. He was NIL before NIL, yeah. uh, to say the least. But almost everything he did with Miami, I actually even out. I think there'd still be violations. I don't know. But anyway, Nevin, uh, Nevin is claiming that uh, that 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 the, the, the top candidate is Lane Kiffin with Randy Shannon as the defensive coordinator. That I well, 
I, I could certainly see them wanting Lang. Uh, it is always it always cracks me up though. But this is what the boosters do at some places, including Miami. We'll name your staff for you as we go. Okay, here's who you need. You have to hire Lang. You've got to have Randy Shannon because he knows the program and he recruits South Florida. You don't get a say in the matter. That's 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 how these things work out. And Ed Reed right, needs play to be on that staff. Yeah. Can we play a game? Sure. Let's play a game. You're Mario Cristobal. You're at Oregon. You have an endless fountain of Phil Knight cash. You have elite, elite, elite facilities. You have a program that's competing for the playoff as we speak. A pipeline of talent come from Southern California. A Pac-12 that's pretty much asleep, right? I mean, it's pretty heavily comatose. Would you leave, and I think he has an eight, $9 million buyout. Would you leave there to go home, quote unquote home, to Miami if you're Mario Cristobal? All right. Is that is that just the, is there part more another part to the game or is that just the no, game? That, I got I got question two. That's question one. Okay. All right. I'm not all sorry. Right. My answer is no for all the reasons you just said. Yeah, I guess it's not a very fun game if I give the answers. I will. <laughs> I, I I'll tell you what. I love Miami. I, do I get like free dinner at Joe's Crabs? I, I grow, you know like. Can I go to Joe's anytime I want? Get the the the, the broiled tomato and the you know the giant claws. I, I don't know, man. I don't know. Miami is that would not be the the smart thing. The thing he's already got tons of money. I don't know. No, I wouldn't do it. But I I I might. I might. Dan, you're not going to just have a nice Oregon Pinot and go for a hike. That's not your. That's not your <laughs> no, <deal>. no, <laughs> no. It's not. No, he wants it's not a Jameson in the corner booth at Joe Stone Crab and and the crabs and the tomato. Yeah, yeah. a weekend in Miami or a weekend uh, hiking uh, Bend, Oregon. Yeah, what do you think? Uh, I'm going Miami, baby. I can't text some granola guy. I can text Nevin Shapiro. Me and Nevin <laughs> would be attached to the hip. It'd be great. <laughs> you don't get any, you, some you don't granola have, guy. You don't have any granola hookups. <laughs> I got nothing. I got nothing out there. Uh, I remember uh, uh, one of my, my cousin favorite. lives in Portland now. You know, so there you go. I got that. But no, I, I go to Miami and more fun. It's going to be wild. See, the thing about Miami is exciting. It's either going to be fail spectacularly or succeed spectacularly. You got NIL. You try to do it. I don't know. I don't think he's going to do it. But what about Lane? Now, what about Lane? Well, that was part two of the game. I mean, if you're Lane, now say this about Ole Miss. Like, they have been updrafted by the SEC and this great financial boon the SEC is in. The ACC, as it is projected right now, is almost going to have like half the TV money as the SEC when their ESPN deal starts, I think, in 24. But the ACC could get a little bit more money if they get on Comcast, but they're still going to be, over the course of a decade, hundreds of millions of dollars behind the SEC per school. And then it just becomes a matter of matter of how many hundreds of millions. So um, I basically said in my column today that the ACC TV deal is aging like someone who smokes three packs a day. It's just like, we're going to wheeze until 2036. So if you're Lane, now Lane likes boats. Lane likes pretty girls. Only Lane 40 likes, minutes from Boca to the stadium Lane now. Likes, He's already got a house. <laughs> he likes fresh water. As we've as we've come to learn, uh, <laughs> well, they don't what, have that down there. If you're Lane Kiffin, do you stay at Ole Miss? Which it will be so desperate to keep you, they will give you anything. Like they'll pay him twelve million dollars a year. That there's no desperation like second school SEC desperation. Just check the notice of allegations in the history if, to to see that. Like 
If you're Lane, do you stay at a place that will just play you through the nose, or do you go try to capture, recapture some of that Miami magic? There, that's that's one where you look and say, okay, if everybody in my division is rolling at their peak, where do we fit in? You say that in the SEC West, and you say that in the ACC Coastal? Ha! Go to Miami, baby. ACC, if the SEC West, if everybody's rolling, you're the fourth best team, maybe. Maybe fifth, probably fifth. And that's how they. Yeah, Oklahoma and Texas are coming. Well, that's before Texas and Oklahoma come in. So go be in the same division with football indifferent North Carolina, football apathetic Duke, uh, Virginia Tech, where they've lost control of their recruiting backyard, Pittsburgh, which sometimes hits, sometimes misses. Yeah, give me that division. I'll take that one. I I I, I bet Lane doesn't know who's in the ACC Coastal. That doesn't care. Yeah, like <laughs> Miami never should. They should never care. It's like who's showing up? We're kicking their ass. Yeah. That's that's one of the great. Yeah, that's how bad Miami's been. The malpractice there that they they have not dominated that division. I they mean, have they have made one ACC title game or should have made it, but were under probation and didn't. Is that right? I, I believe they played in one because like everybody, we went through a cycle where like all seven of them have played in the last seven years. It was crazy. Where it, like every single year was a different one. Lane should go to Miami. Lane should be Lane. The Lane yes. train is 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 great at Mississippi, and he can do continue to do well at Mississippi. It's a very very difficult to get over that last hump, and the other ones are just going to keep. Even you know Saban's going to retire some. The other ones are going to keep coming. It's a tough spot. He's done a great job, Mississippi's. Uh, always been somewhat of an underachieving a program, and he's certainly now achieving it and could probably continue it. But you're Lane Kiffin, baby. <laughs> you should be in South Beach. You should be on your boat. You should be absolutely in the sun. You should have a tan. Like, uh, you should have two girlfriends in the office. You should. Uh, <laughs> what are you doing now? Just wandering around that square, talking about how quaint it is and going to square books? No. Yeah, city groceries a great bar, but it ain't nothing in Miami. Come on, Lane. <laughs> yeah, Randy Shannon, you got it, and you just got to load up. And you bet Ed Reed needs Ed Reed needs to be on that staff. All of a sudden, everyone in South Florida is coming back. State of State of Miami, do it the old Howard Schellenberger way. When you get rolling there, baby, Miami, Miami has put together the greatest teams, as greatest teams at least as I as I've ever seen. I mean, they put. Uh, Adam just absolutely crushing. Uh, go to Miami. Come on, yeah. Miami did I make think the Nevin, 2017 Nevin gonna be right. title game. Miami did yeah. make the that it, 2017 and, where they right. lost to the Kelly Bryant led Clemson Tigers 38 to three. Yeah, and that was in that run where every single there was a new winner every single year. Duke 2013, Georgia Tech 2014, North Carolina 2015, Virginia Tech 2016, Miami. Pittsburgh, Virginia. They just turned it the whole thing over. That's the Coastal Division. Go dominate it. Can you imagine being the Miami coach when there's no longer NCAA rules? Like, that was the <laughs> only thing that ever did them in. It's true. It was Nevin was working on the side. Now you can just bring him in. Uh, Put right. him on the staff. Hell, make him the recruiting coordinator. Hell, he basically was on the staff. That's what got them in trouble. Yeah, that was that, the problem. Yeah, that he was wasn't problem. really on the side. When you're just bringing yeah. recruits over the guy's house. Uh, all right. <laughs> Other one. Jimmy Lake out in uh, Seattle uh, is out. Uh, 
Two seasons. Went seven and six. Unbelievable. Coached 13 games. He got a $10 million buyout. Yeah, somebody made a great point on Twitter. He never even coached in the Apple Cup. Oh, in the Apple Cup and fired. Yep. Oh, my God. Wow. Only Washington, Washington coach. Never played him. <laughs> never lost to him. Yeah, it's crazy up there. I don't know what's going on in that corner. Anyway, who's who, who we got? Who we got? Kalani Sataki of uh, BYU. Jay Norvell. Dave Aranda from Baylor. Would he go all the way up there? Who, who's a who's a Washington guy, Pete? You know, it's it's a pretty good job. Um, when you when when you look right now at USC being fairly dormant, UCLA is decent but non-threatening. Arizona State about to hit reset. Oregon's running, but usually if somebody like Oregon's running, it's because there are other factors that are not fully functioning. So. Um, I really I'm really bullish on the Washington job and I'm I'm optimistic that that Jen Cohen up there can really go lure a prominent sitting head coach to come in and uh, and, and unlock that thing and, and, and get it rolling. Um, I don't think, you know, they're going to look more the Chris Peterson mold of an established offensive like you always hire opposites right so it's going to be an established guy probably got a little bit of an offensive bend and i i really think that that's going to be very interesting to watch uh to, to watch unfold there because they cut bait fast yeah i mean i agree it's i think it's a good job uh you've got players in the seattle area you can get into california you know it's not like you are Tucson or or the Palouse or whatever, trying to sell a city kid on coming someplace. You're selling a city kid on another city. You've got something to sell there. Yes, the, if ever there were going time for an opposite hire, as we often see, this is it because the guy that you hired with no head coaching experience and no offensive acumen who hired a terrible offensive coordinator, yeah, you don't want that guy. So you want the opposite of that. Now, can you get him? I think they probably can. If you want charisma, Kalani Sataki's got a lot of that. Uh, I don't know whether he's like your great technician strategy guy or not. There are other people out there that I think will be interested in that job. The thing that I, I wrote about, touched on this uh, this week, Jimmy Lake, there were obviously extraneous issues in terms of the player confrontation, I guess, if we're going to call it that, on the sideline against Oregon and the report of him chucking a player into a locker at a halftime of another game. Now, but here's the thing is, is Washington did not fire him for cause. So they're basically saying we, they're not saying that his conduct was so unacceptable. We are going to get rid of him because of that. So if this comes down to winning and losing, here's the problem. 13 games, shortest tenure of anybody in the last decade in FBS before you get fired for winning and losing. And this is largely what this is. I think everyone agrees if they were 6-1 and one right now or 7-0 and oh or whatever at the time that he was got suspended, he ain't getting fired, okay? He's probably not even getting suspended. Here's the issue. Jimmy Lake, black man, fastest coach fired. Willie Taggart fired after 21 games at Florida State. Turner Gill fired after 24 games at Kansas. John Embry fired after 24 games at Colorado. What do they all have in common? All black coaches. Black coaches make up a small percentage of the FBS total. It's a matter out of the, of the power five. They made up 13.7% throughout the last decade. They make up more than four. They make up 40% of the 10 fastest firings. I'm not saying you look at all of them and say racism, but that's a track record. 
And that's something that I think a lot of black coaches are thinking about. Like, geez, hmm, if you're Ty Willingham and you got trapdoored, but Charlie Weiss kept going. Uh, Turner Gill got trapdoored and uh, Charlie Weiss kept going. At Kansas, Mike Norvell's going to get a longer run at Florida State with a what right now a worse record than, than Willie Taggart. Uh, it's a problem for the sport. Maybe you're hiring the wrong guys. Don't know. But you're having trouble identifying black coaches, developing black coaches giving black coaches good jobs and giving them enough time to do the job. I don't think there's any doubt, A, that, you know, it's it, some of this is glaring and and uh, that it is a co- huge concern amongst uh, African-American coaches in college football throughout. And it's not that this coach deserved another year or not, but, you know, you look at Scott Frost just keeps getting years, right? Well, we like him. He's one of us. Well, what does that mean? What, uh, what What's us? You know, uh, you go to... Uh, uh, you know, they 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 did it, uh, not the situation, but Texas Tech, right? We don't like the coach. He's gone. So there's a personality thing here, and it's very, very hard for, for African-American coaches to feel comfortable that they're connecting with alums and fans in the same manner. Um, so, again, not every decision is that, as you said, but it's a, the it's a very, the very numbers. The, the numbers are the numbers. Hard to justify keeping them, but you could have given them another year. Uh, I think as bad as uh, hurt them as much as Ohio State went in there and raided top two five star recruits from Seattle last year. Like you know, there hasn't been recruiting success. Although it has not been that bad. Uh, it's not as bad as as uh, Justin Fuente, uh, who Ohio State raided also. So uh, yeah, it's a concern. Uh, all right. Also on the coaching front, uh, LSU is still open, as we know. Uh, Jimbo Fisher has again come out and forcefully said he is not interested in the job. He's staying. Uh, let's see his quote. We're gonna his his thing is recruiting, which is pretty interesting because he landed a top hundred running back uh, out of Baton Rouge like the the day after. Which is, so he doesn't want to go to LSU. He says we're gonna recruit an unbelievable class this year. So I'm the dumbest human being on God's earth to recruit all these guys to A and M so I can go across over there and play against them. If you left, I bet some of them would go with you to LSU. Uh, let's let's not kid ourselves. And LSU's uh, going to have good players as well. So not buying that. Jimbo's unbelievable. He's seven and three, and it's not really you know they beat Alabama, but it's it's not exactly been this. Uh, they were supposed to contend for the playoff, and somehow he's, he's the bell of the ball. Somehow he got ten years, ninety million, and somehow yes, he's the guy that supposedly LSU just can't live without. And I mean, it's it, it's something. It really is. The fact that he won a national championship eight years ago carries a lot of weight. He really couldn't move the ball against that mighty Ole Miss defense on uh, Saturday. I don't know how much you guys watched that game, but they were running into a brick wall. Uh, it, you know, for for a guy with all the reputed offensive acumen, that this A and M team has been hard to watch on offense. Now they had a young O line that's grown up some. They've gotten a little better as the years gone on, but they I don't they haven't exactly been some like paragon of creative coach tape that people are going to look back on and say, man. This this AM team's been really just innovative or fun to watch. Um I, know, I will they, say uh, this. Uh with Jimbo, one of the reasons he's supposed to stay, according to the Texas AM people, is he has two ranches. <laughs> yes. Just the most Texas thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> I got one ranch that I bought a damn other one because I'm so rich. What do you need two ranches for? You can only live you can only be in one well, place at a time. And I can tell you, like in that area of Texas, if they're both their college station, the, the ranches can't be that dissimilar, right? It's all the same <laughs> sagebrush and dirt. It's, 
I got two ranches. <sighs> There's nothing I like more that gets me more into like the coaching carousel giddiness than the talk of secondary homes when regarding a coach <laughs> and whether he will leave. He might be in the Florida State job. He's got a condo in Delray. Like, it's just like, what are you talking about? <laughs> if you're rich enough to have a second home, you're rich enough to fly there. Like, yeah. <laughs> like the proximity of the second home should have nothing to do with anyone's job uh, prospects. You don't think they could like get a million net jet hours and fly them to that ranch? I'm sure there's a private runway uh, on it, the, right? The, the worst was the the like so and so's wife is with a realtor in oh, town. Yeah. Like, oh, oh yeah, that, that is bad. never a concern. They'll find yeah. a they'll find a house. They make a lot of money. It's Welcome not, to you know, Zillow, okay? What yeah, are the schools like? Be, they don't have need to be uh, driving around making a show of themselves looking for the house. Got to tour schools, Pat, for the kids. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, right. Got a tour of the schools, sure. One place that uh, continues to roll that we want to give a little congratulations to in college athletics is Texas Tech's meat judging meat oh. judging team. Yeah, yeah, still going. Won, it, huh? won its third national championship uh, this week, eighth national championship since 2010. Total dynasty in judging of meat, <laughs> and yes, this is a real sport, not an NCAA sanctioned. I don't believe, but. It should damn be because this is where real world applications. Okay. <laughs> Not that much need for, uh, you know, football players. Rest. I don't like, I don't need a football player. They entertain me, but I don't need one, but I need a guy who can judge some meat or a woman and Texas yeah. tech does it well. Yeah. What is USDA primed? Is that what these people decide? That's yeah. It's not like the barbecue pit master competition where you just like eat the meat and say, I like his best or her best. It, you go and uh, they set these things up. It, it, it's kind of dastardly. They'll make like wrong cuts to yeah. try to, to try to throw them off and like miscount the ribs in a, in a, in a, in a side of beef or a pig that's hanging. And, and these guys go in with their little lab coats, like uh you know, like Polly and Rocky, and they're in there, and they they judge the meat, and whoever gets the least mistakes wins. And Texas Tech's just unbelievable at this. Here we I'm going to steal this one of Dan's jokes here. Like, much like Army should always dominate riflery, Texas Tech yeah. should always dominate meat judging, right? Yes. Like, that's... Like I, I would question the world order if, uh, you know, it was like Minnesota was like the, the tops in that. No chance. No chance. Or the, gr the granola guys in Oregon. Yeah, we don't want we yes. do not want them winning the meat judging. This is a this should this the championship of meat judging should never leave the state of Texas ever. So Lubbock, that seems like the home. Guns up, well, grills up. Yeah, it's 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 quite a thing. So congrats to that. I think that's a great. You don't get extra meat though. They said some of the <laughs> the athletes do complain. Um. <laughs> As it's much like who's that Connecticut point guard who complained he couldn't eat? Oh yeah, Shabazz Napier. Shabazz, Shabazz Napier, Napier got right? everybody unlimited meals, even though she, well, never mind. Starving Shabazz uh, couldn't eat, but yeah. um, unfortunately, that didn't go down. To, I mean, if you want a training table, it should be the meat judges. Like they should have a heck of a training table. They don't get it, so uh, there is that. I don't know, but I wanted to give a quick shout out to that. And you know what? Uh, and, and while we're talking about food. I just was going to say, this is like we every once in a while we get the Wetzel investigative reporting Jones going here. It's been the tap water. It's been the the singers. Uh, and now we've got it on the he's done the deep dive on the meat judging. So the listeners are are dependent on you, Dan, for your reporting skills to, to bring these things to light to us. It's really a public service. <laughs> 
this public service. There's a Pulitzer for public service journalism. Yes. I think you might win. Go. We set up a GoFundMe to thank you for helping America. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's really the recruiting. The recruiting is the key to this, right? And uh, sure. Mark Miller is the coach of the meat judging team. And uh, he, he did a heck of a job, uh, clearly tech, bringing yeah. in these guys. Texas Tech plays four competitors in the top six individually. Four out uh, of six. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's total domination. Someone That's named Deming. I'm reading the Avalanche Journal. Deming doesn't have a first name. It's like those Brazilian soccer stars. <laughs> just, just one name. Deming. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, New Mexico Perfect native Kylan Sweeney finished second overall. And uh, I mean, there's a lot of things too. So there's uh, there's overall beef, beef judging, lamb judging, mm. uh, and total placing. There's also Cassie Bendel from Hondo, Texas. Hondo, uh, told, there you go. Yep, she totaled one thousand fifty five points. Uh, she was see. very good in beef and lamb. Those are her specialties. You got to have like the role players. <laughs> <laughs> what you got you got to like you got to scout the FFA competitions right get your future farmers of America yeah you know, that's you going to the to the little locales like we were talking San Marcos oh how about uh, no Hondo is apparently it because Preston Tilwiger was right finished right behind uh, Cassie no okay. Preston and Cassie from Hondo Hondo, Hondo Texas. is the Hondo's the hotbed of meat judge find a little something out about this place yeah I had no idea. The Wetzel deep dive continues. We'll get a full... 8,000 person town, sort of near San Antonio. Yeah. Man, they need a parade for these guys. Come on, Hondo. <laughs> Step it up. Parade them on the meat wagon. Let's go. All right. While we're talking food, let's do a quick game of Would You Eat It? How about that? Okay. A little quick. Always a fan favorite. Thanksgiving's coming up. Yes. Uh, we all love Thanksgiving and eating. And uh, so, you know, we want to. Uh, Ask if you would eat these. This is uh, Would You Eat It? These are some uh, classic Thanksgiving dishes that, quote, no one makes anymore, according to this list uh, on the internet. Um, oh, uh, nobody. Here we it's go. like original pilgrim stuff, because that, if you ever, you ever look at the original meal, it's not that good. It's like <laughs> beef jerky, like venison jerky, and like they... They just kind of heated up a pumpkin and called it pumpkin pie. Um, you know, it's the 1600s or 1500s. You, you, you take what you get, right? 16, 16. Yeah. Okay. They didn't have an air uh, fryer here. until like 1732. <laughs> All right. This is a weird one. Apparently, this is popular in the Depression. Turkey leftovers in an aspic. I don't know what this is. It's basically you take turkey and put it in a gelatin. Yeah, that sounds horrendous. That's what an aspic is. That No. I would not eat that. I think that's my first no on the pod. Three, it's yeah. news. <laughs> the only time Sully's ever said no. To <laughs> I've got a, I've it got is a pretty a, strong track record of no, and it's not ending here. <laughs> turkey, frozen vegetables, cream of celery soup, and ranch dressing mixed with gelatin. Oh, God. <laughs> it's from the 1975 cookbook called Carefree Cooking with Aluminum Foil. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> that was oh, a bestseller. That was a bestseller. All right. How about this one? This is a big college football beverage. Dr. Pepper. Uh, hot Dr. Pepper. Uh, they used to, in the, they, they would, in 1968, there's an ad for hot Dr. Pepper. You heat up your Dr. Pepper till it's steaming hot, and then you put a lemon slice in it, and you drink it. No. I'm drinking a Dr. Pepper right now. That's, a, that's gross. 
I I would try it. I would try it. I'm not, I'm not opposed to a nice warm beverage, but does it lose its carbonation? Because if it does, then I'm out. That's all. It's all about the carbonation. It, it was supposedly very you know, popular. Tim Salem. Tim Salem doesn't need carbonation. <laughs> it's just for efficiency. That's true. Dr. Dr. Pepper came up with this concept in the 60s to, quote, keep profits strong during the holiday season when sales of cold pop plummet. Tim, I don't know. What does Fanville think of that? What's Sheriff Bosworth <laughs> think of this? There you go. Get him, get the Fansville vote on that because like, I actually think if you put you put the right uh, adult beverage, turn it in into there. a hotty toddy. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. Out with it. Yeah. Uh, all right. But that so, like, were people that dumb back in the day? It's just like, well, uh, we're having trouble selling our Dr Pepper. Just, so just <laughs> tell them to heat it, and they're, and the, they're going to do it. Apparently yeah, worked. Yeah. They were eating turkey inside gelatin. I don't know. Um, how about the quote unquote? Cranberry surprise. Anyone want the cranberry surprise? Oh, Would you man. eat it? I don't like I don't surprise. Would you like surprise me to describe it? <laughs> yeah. <Do> you like- <laughs> I don't like surprises. Yeah, I'm, I'm you- of the surprise. Would you like to hear what's in it at least? Sure. Uh, the cranberry surprise. Uh, cranberry surprise is uh, cr- it's cranberries uh, mixed with uh, with uh, a Hellman's mayonnaise. And no. uh, it blends the tartness of cranberries with the delicate creaminess of Hellman's real delicate. mayonnaise. Man, hell it, no. Did the mayonnaise ball write this? I know how you guys feel about mayonnaise. I'm tempted to say yes, just to spite you both. Uh, Jello salad. My Thanksgiving dinner. God. How about Jello salad? Nobody makes the old. Nobody makes the Jello salad anymore. They used to throw fruit and like Jello, and then actually one of my favorite yeah. dishes. A good, really? uh, a good, 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 good uh, <clears throat> pineapple jello salad. That's a good, good little side dish. I'm, I'm a fan. I know, okay. like, I don't, I can't say if this is 100% up to date, but the Mormons were big on jello salad. That was kind of like a joke in Provo and, and points elsewhere that Mormons love their jello salad. So, I mean, my kids would see right through this thing as a dessert. They'd be like, you're just making us <laughs> eat fruit. Th- I mean, it's just, just a bowl of fruit. That's a fruit salad. <laughs> All right, let's, we'll upgrade it to this. The modernized, last one of Would You Eat It? The nine-inch Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you saw this. Limited oh, editions of the Reese's Peanut Butter Pie, they're calling it. It is not a pie. There's nothing like, there's no, like, you've, we've all had, like, peanut butter pie, whatever. They can make it. This is just an enormous Reese's Cup. It's yep. just a nine-inch wide, nine-inch diameter I mean, peanut butter cup. They've just Here's, they've just cut out the middleman. There's no pretend. It's just this is an enormous peanut butter cup. Slice it up and serve it. Uh, it sold out like instantaneously. It was going for almost fifty bucks a uh, pie. I don't know what the secondary market for peanut butter cups are, <laughs> but would you eat it? The nine inch Reese's peanut butter cup, Sully? Do I have to ask? No, we don't. Okay. Uh, hell yeah. So here's my question: Why is it limited edition? Make it massive edition. Let's all buy one. I'm in. Yeah, the 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 fact that Reese's hasn't done this really uh is disturbing to me. And I'm not a big dessert guy. I know I get teased for being Captain Acai Bowl on this. I love me some Reese's. Like whoo. Yeah, like, at the senior a, bowl, they passed is a, out giant ones. And that, I'd imagine that's where they got this idea. That's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. They have oh. been making Reese's cups since nineteen nineteen. Really? And uh yeah. What the hell took them so long? hundred and two <laughs> years? We just thought of this? What is sometimes there's like <laughs> mental blocks on humanity on what we're capable of people. Uh, some people used to look at the moon and just 
just see this thing out there. And then someone said, hey, let's go there. <laughs> I think it's the same thing. <laughs> I, Why? Is this like a I 1950s pep talk? Like like an FDR fireside chat or something, Dan? <laughs> let's go to the moon. I don't think people come here for pep talks. <laughs> there were winners. There was a non-winner. <laughs> and then there was the real winner, dessert. <laughs> it's good i want this well thing done. man i want this thing hell yeah not off the secondary market though i don't trust buying us <laughs> that might be a little sketchy a little yeah sketchy. <laughs> give your credit card give your credit card number and then drive to wadi kentucky and pick up your pie yeah no i'm not doing that <laughs> all right let's get to some of the games this weekend we're going to pick them of course in the uh, race for the case but let's talk briefly, just big picture on on two of them, because there are two games that have massive implications here that are obvious. And the big one is uh, uh, Oregon, Utah, uh, and and then uh, Michigan State visiting Ohio State. Let's just let's just go quickly with those two. Can Michigan State do this? Like what? You know, would this this is a it been a dream season? It's you know we said house money. Uh, this is a team that won two games last year. We're supposed to win four, five this year. They're nine and one and have a chance at one of the miracle runs I've ever seen. Uh, but Buckeyes and then Nittany Lions waiting after that, which you, you got to survive. Uh, we've seen Michigan State under Mark D'Antonio be the one guy who can, one team that can actually beat Ohio State in the Big Ten. I wouldn't say consistently, but more than once, which is as consistent as it gets. Pat, your thoughts on what this just means for the Michigan State program and Mel Tucker. Uh, without giving out your obvious pick and and which we'll do on the on the Thursday show. Yeah, massive opportunity, as you said. I mean, this would take a remarkable season to like extreme dream, you know, and give you a chance to play for the national championship, possibly. For Mel Tucker to make ten million a year, whether it's from Michigan State or somewhere else, maybe not ten, but he's gonna get paid a lot uh after this season. Can they do it? <sighs> I think it's going to be very hard. I, you can you can come up with things they need to do. All right, you know they've. I think you have to be able to run the ball and and eat clock and slow this game down from where Ohio State wants it. You've got a bad bad pass defense going against a great great pass offense. So that's your problem there. You, they've got three phenomenal receivers, a dangerous tight end, a creative offensive mind in Ryan Day, and a really good quarterback if he has time. And he usually has time, but Michigan State's second in the Big Ten in sacks, so can you heat up C.J. Stroud, make him make a couple mistakes, have Kenneth Walker III play like a Heisman winner, run the ball 30 times for 150 yards, shrink the game, avoid giving up too many big plays, avoid turnovers, avoid key penalties. Unfortunately, you're not going to get the 2015 weather, where it was that just disastrous weather day and you slog past them 17 to 14 or whatever it was. Uh, and I covered that game. Uh, so, you you know, you need a lot to go right. Could it happen? Yeah. But is it likely? Oh, no. So we're going to we're going to dive into the game more on the uh, on the picks pod later in the week. So I'm going to uh, I'm going to answer your question with a question. Let's say you are Mel Tucker and you are on top of the world this week. Right. You are nine and one. You are in playoff contention and you have Michigan State rolling in this like wondrously improbable season. You're going to be the Big Ten coach of the year. You're probably going to be one of the national coach of the year finalists, if not winning. There's a few of those. You're probably going to win one of those. Everything is coming up 
screen. Do you sign a long-term extension with Michigan State this week before you play Ohio State on the road and then Penn State? Or do you roll the dice, go through these games, and see what your market is? And basically saying, do you risk your 18.5-point underdogs? Do you risk getting blown out and some of the bloom coming off the rose? And then, you know, Penn State's a coin flip game, right? I can't, I'd be stunned if Michigan State was favored by more than three in that game. And Michigan State certainly isn't designed to blow teams out. So I would think that, you know, on paper, as long as Clifford's healthy, is going to be a very close game. What do you do if you're Mel Tucker? Um, do you bet on yourself in this coaching market? Or do you take what assuredly is, uh, you know, is a contract offer and, uh, you know, juiced up salary that's coming? So obviously the presumption is also that Mel Tucker cares about squeezing every last dollar out. Right. Uh, which is fine. So that's the that's the thing. I, I let it roll. First off, you're going to get in. And even if for some reason you lost these next two games and nobody, <laughs> all these other jobs don't want you. And we just talked. There's too many good jobs. That's not going to happen. But even if it did, you can go to Michigan State and say, look, in year two, look what I just did for you. Stadium's full. I, I would just beat Michigan. I'm 2-0 and against Michigan. I mean, Michigan State loves Mel Tucker. Yes. They love Mel Tucker. So, yeah, you may not get 10, maybe. You might get eight. You might get... Michigan State is going to overpay for Mel Tucker. They have to overpay. Michigan State doesn't have the other resources to draw in great coaching talent. What they need to do is do their best to overcompensate in terms of money to get that guy. It's just reality. They can't change the reality of, we're not LSU with 24. 20 great recruits in the state all wanting to come to us. There are 20 great recruits in the state of Michigan to begin with, and they don't all want to come to you. You don't have that. You have to do something else. So I would I would wait because I think Mel Tucker is going to be fine and can make, you know, you can get seven, eight million to stretch pretty far there in, in Lansing. <laughs> like, yeah. Buy your, your Chili Mac and whatever the heck else. You can get two you- ranches. Two ranches. <laughs> How much could they get him in Jackson where Pat likes to stay? Yeah, he could <laughs> buy I Jackson. Think he could buy I'm most of Jackson. Yes. You can buy all of downtown Jackson and a snow hut up on the Upper Peninsula if he wants that, too. So uh, the other is Oregon, firmly in position. They just need to ride this out. Not easy to ride it out in Salt Lake City a Saturday night against Utah, or it'll be uh, late afternoon uh, in in beautiful Rice-Eccles Stadium, one of my favorite stadiums. Uh, I was partial to the mountain views. It's nice. It is nice. A lot to like about Salt Lake. There's not, it's, there is a lot to like about Salt Lake. Once they relax their alcohol rules, wasn't so good about 20 years <laughs> yes. ago. No, but it's you had to, you had to be, become a member of every bar you wanted to go to. I, I have a lot of memberships. I have a lot of <laughs> I'm a member of a lot of things. Di- very interesting game. We don't always have a ton of really exciting, interesting Pac-12 games, but this is one of them. Pat, you thought on uh, the Ducks and the Utes? Definitely the toughest test for the Ducks. Uh, since the loss to Stanford. And they, they've had some close calls, but <clears throat> going to Utah, you're going to finally get like a real atmosphere I think you're going to play in there. You're getting a good team that's playing well. Uh, you know, I mean, Kyle Whittingham is such a consistently good coach, you know, year in and year out. And here they are sitting there seven and three. They've won three in a row. Uh, they're back to punching people. Uh, you know, they're, 
running the ball well. They're stopping the other team from running the ball. They're doing all the things that you expect a Kyle Whittingham team to do. So this is a big challenge for Oregon. Um, they've got to be on top of it. Anthony Brown has been good, sometimes inconsistent. He was really good running the ball against Washington State when they needed him to be uh, last weekend. They've just had guys step up. I mean, this is a hell of a coaching job by Cristobal. If you look at you know some of the injuries – uh, some of the positional uncertainty that they've had, guys in and out of the lineup. Uh, I, I am really, really impressed with the way they've just kind of put this season together. Uh, and I, both coaches, I think, have done an outstanding job in this game. I uh, am really curious to see who wins the battle of the trenches here. Like my one of my indelible images, other than Joe Moorhead just exploiting the edges of that Ohio State-Oregon game, was really how... Oregon got a consistent push up front on both sides of the ball. And CJ Stroud was rushed and hurried and rattled and did not have a good game uh, because of it. So Utah has long been built under Kyle Whittingham to smash you up front on both sides of the ball. And I'm really curious if they can open up some room for Tavion Thomas, who's a great back. Can Utah control the game, and then eventually force Anthony Brown to win the game with his arm because he is very much a game manager. Uh, he obviously has some pop in his legs, which which certainly helps him. But I really think that Utah's number 18-ranked rush offense in the, uh, in the country and number 34-ranked total defense and a decent rush defense are going to be what, uh, what, what allows the Utes to potentially control the game here, push them around, Maybe let the atmosphere rattle uh, Oregon a little bit and and, and see if they can uh, yeah, see if they can push them around a little bit. Quick update on Jared Casey, our favorite walk on from Plainville, Kansas. There's another Plainville, Kansas walk on going anywhere. I don't know. Uh, Jared Casey caught the two point conversion against Texas. He's a five nine, a fullback or tight end. Is they don't have fullbacks. They didn't want to list him as a tight end because it's embarrassing to have a five nine tight end. He had never played before. Until the game against Texas, they win the game. Jared Casey, in, in, in the latest example of how name, image, and likeness rules have ruined college athletics and are a, a, a terrible thing to society and all the other things all those old commissioners used to say, uh, was filming an Applebee's commercial this week that will run in the state of Kansas, and he will get awesome. paid to be in an Applebee's commercial. That is beautiful. That's awesome. NIL at work, baby. Uh, that is a phenomenal, phenomenal story. And did you guys hear the, uh, did you see and hear the video of his parents watching him? Yeah, the that was on. They couldn't yeah. believe it. They couldn't yeah. believe it. <laughs> that like, was Jared. Jared. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Imagine, mom, I think I'm going to play. Really? Really? <laughs> Against Texas? You're going to get hurt. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, if nothing else, he is sparing the people of Kansas from having to hear that awful Applebee's song that, that <laughs> is a country hit or something, that jingle, that, 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 awful. So that alone, I'd rather, that, they better not incorporate the song or else I'll take it all back. Jared, you are terrible. No, this is good. Good for Jared. <laughs> all right. We've all been to a lot of press conferences and heard some doozies of questions and some home Homer media, partisan media, state-run media. Sully, cue the tape of uh, Texas coach uh, Steve Sarkeesian. Things aren't really going so well. Uh, they lost five in a row uh, in, a, in a terrible first season, but sometimes facing the media is really more like talking to your life coach. 
Good morning to you, Coach Sarkeesian. Good morning. Coach, a couple years ago, one of my good friends and I were faced with a massive problem we couldn't solve. And in his wisdom, he said, you know, at this point, we need to stop and ask ourselves, what would an extraordinary person do in this situation? And this resonated with me the whole weekend. And I realized that of all the coaches who could be standing at that podium right now in those shoes, you are that extraordinary person. And you have a team of what I call coaching juggernauts. This is not only my opinion, this is a fact. I don't think anyone could dispute this. So my question as we write you know, the Sarkeesian era story, we're not even done with the first chapter yet, can you unfold some of the onion of what are you working on? How are you solving this problem? I realize that you might not even know, but you know, I'm gonna steal from Julian Edelman. It's gonna be one hell of a story. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I mean, who was at, is that like his brother asking that question? I, I'm telling you, if I were in the room, I would have done one of two things. I would have either sprinted over and tackled that guy, or what I had to just walk out to avoid sprinting over and tackling that guy. Wow, you were violence. There would yes. have been violence. Yes, it drives me to the point of like homicide. I mean, it's just unbelievable. <laughs> That somebody would sit there and ask this question. Like, get out of our lives. Get this person out of the press conference. This is the oh, nicest question ever asked of a coach who absolutely sucks this year. Coaching juggernaut. And Pat, Pat wants to go murder the guy. I don't think anyone would disagree. It's a fact, Sully. They are coaching juggernauts. All right. I I all right. Uh, aside from, I did not think Pat would 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 threaten uh, death. Or I, I mean, whole, all right. But I have questions. Uh, this guy is clearly one of the great minds and brilliant people, and I'm sure his friend is equally intelligent. What the hell is the massive problem that they could not solve? That's what I want to know. What is the yeah. massive? It was like we couldn't get the. <laughs> would you eat it? <laughs> I think it involves how to fold the uh, how to how to fold the onion. What the hell is fold that? It back in after unfolding it. Yeah. Oh my. I God. would. That is a massive problem that you would not find. How do you fold an onion? <laughs> and then he quotes Julian Edelman, former Kent <laughs> State quarterback Julian Edelman, <laughs> great I philosopher, quote, like yeah. Plato, great philosopher and PED user. Yeah. Yeah. Even like I Mac don't... Brown or <laughs> Colt McCoy or I don't know, but Julian Edelman. Julian Edelman. That? I mean, and it was like a g- generic quote too. Like it didn't make any like, <laughs> like that, that's not nothing Edelman, about that's not the only made any sense. Says that. It's like if the guy just ate a handful of peyote outside and then walked in and asked a question. <laughs> I mean, like, oh, where did I this wish, come from? I wish I could have been at the press conference. And watched Pat watch that guy ask the question. <laughs> I, I couldn't have I couldn't have stood it. I really could. I, like I, I would have said something. I would have done. It would have been bad. Oh, I wish you were there. He should have at least <laughs> been like you know. Coach Harbaugh said there was a winner. There was a non-winner. <laughs> the real winner is Texas football. I mean, the first chapter of Sark. Man, this may be a short ass book now. <laughs> yeah. 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 I know they're trying yeah. to like strip a lot of books out of the old libraries down in Texas lately. Well, this one, well, this ain't too heavy. Not really heavy lifting. The Steve Sarkisian it's a pamphlet era. at this point. I it's don't a know what cookie <laughs> message. <laughs> I don't th- yeah. Now I just want to take peyote and go to a Texas press conference and see what kind of mayhem we can cook up. <laughs> and just, what is what is extra? 
ordinary. What? You just uh. you're ex you're exceptionally ordinary. Is that it? Because that does describe the Longhorns. Extra ordinary. It's extraordinary. It's extraordinary. I just, I mean, I was listening to that. Like the first time I, I actually had to stop it. I couldn't listen to it because it was driving me so crazy. <laughs> I just, I, I've said that like the, the one, the best thing that I got out of seven years at, at ESPN was a three-day interview seminar. And they taught you how to ask interview questions. And this guy so wildly violated everything that we were taught for three days. I mean, it's like... Short, open, neutral questions. Long, meandering, grandstanding, nonsensical, weird, endless. I give Sark credit. I mean, yeah, that was the best performance Sarkeesian's had all year. That, <laughs> he did a good job. Right. He handled the absolutely terrible. I mean, look, there is the market now is is about like at least half the media is just totally in the bag, if not more. Yeah. Like the business model now is how partisan can I be? Yeah. But the thing about college sports is even the most diehard, like I'll always back the program. You go, we suck, right? We got to be bad. Like, we can't be losing to Kansas. Like even the, you can't just, it can't be politics where you're like, yeah, right. You're like that piece of legislation caused like 2 million people to die. Yeah, but there was some good points. Like you, these guys can admit the problem. Even Bevo's like, I'm out of here. Let me go get meat judged. I'd rather be a meat judging competition than watch any more of this. Go see my relatives. But what the hell question was this? I don't know. I mean, it's like just in from Pluto. I mean, it's so weird on every level. And who is I'm, I'm actually disappointed in our Texas media brethren that they haven't outed who this numbskull Out is. What's the massive no, they, problem? They did out How him. You... They did out him. They I did? Just, I'm looking at it on Twitter right now. Oh, yeah, who is from, he? Who is he? He's from Horns Illustrated, which I double checked to make sure it was not owned by the Rivals Network. Um, <laughs> and uh, it is a guy I'd never heard of. Um, Guy we've never heard of from Horns Illustrated. Please let Horns us know what the massive yeah. problem Terry was. Middleton. And how the hell you this fold an onion. To, and, and, yeah, and, and how you decided that that Steve Sarkeesian is a jugger, coaching juggernaut. It's fact. Like, fact, like we, Pat. It's fact. No one would disagree. No, no one. one would disagree. No one who just watched his team lose its fifth straight game to Kansas would disagree that he is a coaching juggernaut. There are people in this country who think the world is flat, okay? <laughs> people will disagree about anything in this. The 10% of the country thinks the earth is flat, including Kyrie Irving. We're going to be back to pick him up, race for the case. College football, baby. Pat threatened homicide, mind you. Just, <laughs> I hope that Pat is that now on the FBI. Yeah. <laughs> Horns down. Oh, Pat, only homicide, geez. Pat. Hey, <laughs> only like, homicide. John Cheney didn't get investigated for saying he was going to kill Calipari. So, you know, give me a break. <laughs> you are on an FBI watch list right now, and I'm actually happy about that. All right. We'll talk to you guys uh, with the race for the case. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader.
New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.